Sabah al-Yasmin, Sabah al-Khair from Bethlehem. Today we're happy to have with us a Lebanese visionary, Kamal Mzawa, the father of Tawla, Sultaibat, the guest houses. Every, I mean, he, he goes so fast with new concepts that, that we, we're not able to, to keep up. And a fantastic book on Lebanese cuisine. Sabah al-Khair, Kamal. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. Very happy to be talking to you. Kamal, you, you, I remember we met 10, 15, 15 years ago in Paris. And I remember at the time you were starting the soup. And since then you've developed the, the, these fantastic concepts in Lebanon. You, you were the visionary, the precursor of what today is called responsible eating across the world. But in, in the Arab world, you just did a revolution. Where did this come from? Where did this start? Well, it's common sense, I think. It's nothing more. If there is something we do many times a day, maybe we talk, maybe we eat, maybe, I don't know, we make sex, I hope many times a day. But if there is something that everybody does many times a day and we need to do, it's eating. So eating is an important part of our life because it sustains us and it costs something. It costs not only money, it, it has a cost over the environment, the flora, the fauna, and our own health, the health of the planet and our own health. So it's a very, very, very simple act that we take very often for granted. Uh, we forget, we always forget that food comes from agriculture and from farming, and we consider food just a commodity product on the supermarket shelf. So it's something that we need to do every day to sustain our lives. And it's something that can bring a positive or a negative uh, impact on us as individuals, us as groups, as countries, as the environment, as the animals we're raising or the farming. So it's a very simple act that we often take for granted, but that, uh, ha that has a lot of impact. You're touching on, on, on the, the origin of products and, and then it, beyond it, it means the community, it means the people that are, that are involved in, in the whole process. And it's true that 20 years ago, we, we used to hear about a, a famous chef, but we wouldn't know the story behind it. And, and today, it's, it's more in depth of... Pe people want to know today where their food comes from, how it has grown, and who's grown it. Um, what, what was the, the in, in Lebanon when you started, the, the market was, was, a, was a hit and, and then you went from there to the restaurants. Um, how was the reaction of your people you've, you've got into the project? And I, I see very often these images of women that feel very proud in your, in your project. What was their reaction where you were... <laughs> valorizing them in a way, or at least giving them that support. How did they perceive it? Thank you for using the word proud. You know, pride is something that is very dear to my heart. And I think this is the most important attribute that one has, because when you're pride, you do something good and uh, uh, you do the right thing. So uh, it wasn't a hit. Uh, Fadi, when we started, don't think things were very, very easy. Mm -hmm. But I just think, you know, like uh, what do you say for the donkey? You put these blinders, I think you hold them. You uh -huh. just need to have a vision to follow the path. It doesn't mean to be blind, but like to really follow uh, the vision and the path that you believe in. So, no, it wasn't very, very easy. 
uh, there was very little people. It was weird for people. What is this? You know, uh, we were like just ten farmers and producers. So it took time. It took time. It took a lot of perseverance. And uh, I think one just has to follow what uh, what one believes in and what one believes the change must be. I always hear what Gandhi said: "Be the change you want to see." The change is not going to come from above, from others, you know, it's just going to come from each and every one of us. If I want to say something, I just have to say it. So, and maybe you'll be helping me uh, saying it loud and spreading it through this uh, radio show or anything else. It means on any level, you have to believe that you need to make a change and you have to see what is your contribution to life. If each one of us doesn't have a contribution, I think our life is like just ridiculous and useless. So I started not 10 years ago, it started like more than 15 years ago. It started in 2004 as a small, you know, gathering of farmers and producers bringing it was and still is a producer's market only. So it's about the people, not the product. Because if I support uh, Fadi as, uh, you know, uh, the Africa Jam uh, maker, and the Africa Jam would be the, the star, it's, it's going to stop at the Africa Jam, let's say. But mm. if I look at Fadi as, if I look at the producer of the Africa, Africa chain, Jam, sorry, so if I look at Fadi, who's the producer, for instance, of this Africa Jam, so it's about supporting Fadi for the Africa Jam and for anything else. So for me, anything we do is a human development project. It's not a project that is centered around product. It's around the humans and not around product. We started in 2004 with the farmer's market in Beirut. It was a move from rural to urban, where there's a demand and the purchasing power for the producer of the producers, farmers or uh, producers or cooks. Uh, two years later, we said, like, why don't we go back to the villages of these farmers to meet them in their own environment? So we created regional food festivals. In these festivals, it was like, obviously, we had one of the components of the festival was to have lunch. So lunch is going to be prepared, not a generic lunch of a bully and hummus, let's say. It's going to be the typical food of the villages. So who's going to cook this food? It's the it's home cuisine and not restaurant cuisine, because there's a big difference in our tradition between Meza restaurant cuisine and home cuisine, tabukh, and the traditional regional food. So these lunches started to have a big success. So in 2009, we decided to create Tauri. Tauri means table uh, in Beirut. And the table in Beirut, Tauri Beirut, grew to many different other tables around the country. Tauri Beirut is like a national Tauri, and the tables, the Tauri in the different regions are typical for the food of the region. So after creating Tauri, the region was about creating the guest houses, the base. Now there is five or six bay, six or seven towers, you know, and two farmers markets in the city more than 15 years later. It, it, it's actually fantastic. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I can imagine every day it's not easy because you're, you are challenging perceptions. You're, you're talking about the human. And, and I think in, in our in our industry, in, in, in the food industry, um, the human is, is often forgotten. Um, and sadly, we're seeing more and more of these international uh, chains and where, where the human doesn't count. You, you're going to a brand name, and not, not a person. But in our culture... Fadi, 
Sorry to interrupt you. You see international brands because we are ashamed of our own tradition yes. and we prefer fringy fringy, you know, to improve traditions than to uh, than to be grateful of ours. That's one thing. And then you know, people very often you talk about chef. Uh, very often uh, people you know used to be like slaves or maids in kitchens. Only recently that we started to see uh, recognition to chefs and, and not only recognition to turning them into star chefs, which, you know, takes the rest out of the scene too. So, by the end of the day, each one of us has a contribution and a space and must do something good. You, you said something very, very interesting about we were ashamed of our food traditions. Um, do you think that today on the outside of, of our countries, because I think in our countries it's quite interesting how people are today in in a, in a phase where on one hand they they won the 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 international brand but at the same time they're starting to regain pride in 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 our cuisine but on the international level for, for very long um, you mentioned the difference between a restaurant um culture and a, and a home cuisine um people's perception of lebanese food abroad has always been the restaurant option um, yes, because this is what was uh, exported, you know, restaurants, which means meze, or uh, street meat food, fast food, shawarma and falafel. Do you think this is changing today? Not a lot. It's still the same, but people are starting to understand that, you know, our cuisine, you know, Lebanese, Palestinian, Syrian, like our uh, alcoholic Levantine or Middle Eastern cuisine has two facets. You know, when you talk about restaurant cuisine in France, for instance, restaurant cuisine is a sophisticated form of home cuisine. In our part of the world, uh, restaurant cuisine is something, what they call meze, and home cuisine is something completely different, which is, you know, mainly tabakh, stews, uh, which are, are regional and typical. So it's quite, it's quite interesting and quite unique. So the meze itself is a wonderful food tradition, in my opinion. It's a succession, you know, it's a procession. Uh, the meal itself is amazing. It's not tapas, it's not nibbles, as people uh, try to explain it. And the tabakh is something that is completely different from that. I'm sure you can tell the history of each and every corner of Palestine through the typical ways of the kibbe, for instance, or how they do the yachn, the fasolia, or yachn al or anything. And each part, how they do the rap in between one place and another. Uh, and it's like an anthropological study that will tell you much more of the region and its people and its tradition, a corner of Palestine, than uh, a book of history or anything else. So for me, it's this, I'm interested to look at food through this angle. I don't consider myself in the food business. You spoke about food business. like. I don't consider myself in the food business. I'm in the life business, you know. Mm. I'm in development, development as of human development, not real estate development, I mean. So this is how I see it. And used very often uh, as the word concept, you know. If people if, uh, people know me and are uh, listening to us, you know, they would say, how come I didn't uh, argue yet about this? I have a list of forbidden words in my dictionary. And concept is one of them because I consider it's the concept more of something that you know uh, uh, a consultant think about sitting <laughs> behind a desk. What we do are our projects, our life projects, and not uh, not concepts, you know. And life, 
And life, life, life is a wonderful word you use. Kamel, um, you talk about Palestine and, and the history of Palestine in, in, with the food, just like it's in Lebanon, in Syria, in the Levant. I have a problem with Middle East, the name Middle Eastern food, because today, sadly, yeah. it's been used by people to hide a certain reality, and it's the political reality with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about people cooking our food and, and calling it Middle Eastern and actually being occupiers in the region? Uh, I find that, well, you know, if they are occupiers in the region, which means they took uh, uh, land, they can take anything else. So they took a tradition and they took anything else. But I think more of it like our own mistakes, because, you know, if you have a jewel and you don't keep it and you don't save it, it's more your mistake of not uh, saving it well than others coming and taking it. You talked about Akub. And jewel, and for me, these are the two words that go together because I think Akub is a jewel. Um, it's very strongly an an element of our identity. The the what is beautiful with what you're doing and with because you, you're reflecting how people live in this area, and it's the season. It's the Akub season is something that that is sacred in in Palestine, that it's, is sacred in uh, Lebanon. It's, it's, it's seasonal and it's regional uh, mm. Mm. It's very regional you know when you talk about Akub for instance in the Shuf region in Lebanon it's uh, it's a daily it's something very common for them if you talk about Akub in another region they would have never heard about it even for Friki which is very common in all of Palestine I imagine mm-hmm. I was born in, uh, in a small village near Beirut I have never heard of Riki before, you know, being uh, in Saud Tayyip and being in this world. So even in such a small country like Lebanon, uh, don't think that everybody knows everything. The traditions are very, very regional. Even in such a small country, uh, people from different regions have very different traditions. And very often, one doesn't know the tradition of the other because they don't know the other, in fact. But that, that's what's fantastic with with your approach of putting forward regional cuisine is you do break barriers and people know each other through that food now. People hear about, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, when I bought your book, I discovered fantastic things about Lebanon by by the stories, the people and the recipes. And, and really, you know, I think sadly a lot of people live by perceptions um, but I feel you've managed to really break a lot of perceptions about the other and, and the other whoever he or she is and whatever they are and whatever um, religion they come from whatever village they come from whatever ethnic background they come from you've like really broken this through food how, how did you go beyond all of these things that are quite entrenched you know I come from Bethlehem and we have a war with our two neighboring villages about olive oil and, and who has better olive oil. So how did you come beyond this, this very very deep sense we have of of the other being different and, and maybe less good? You know, so we come from a region of fear. We are always afraid of being uh, uh, killed or uh, uh, the other making us disappear and the other is uh, a very important notion here for us 
the other from a different religion, from a different uh, uh, political uh, belief. So this is how we live in all of this region. And this region, you know, it's like nearly 50% Christian, 50% Muslim, you know, from different political backgrounds too. So it's a real place of diversity. So uh, it's very difficult to get together around diversity. If I'm not from the same religion as you, it's very different. I need to convert you or you convert me. For politics, it's the same. I need to be from the same political party of you or not. But you know what? We forget sometimes that, that you know, maybe we forget or not forget, like be proud of our difference, but just keep them aside for a while and look for similarities beyond differences. By the end of the day, whether you are Muslim or Christian, black or white, you know, leftist or rightist, you know, by the end of the day, you're going to have breakfast, lunch and dinner. And if you and me are different on all these different levels, but are living in the same place, we're going to have both of us breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we're going to eat the product of the land. So we're going to eat finally the same thing. A Christian from Tripoli and a Muslim from Tripoli and North Lebanon eat completely the same. Maybe one will not drink alcohol or eat pork. It's okay. It's a small detail, but for all the rest, it's totally the same. Because they eat from the land and from the tradition of the place and the time. And a Christian from Sherbri, that is like 2,000, 3,000 meter high altitude in the mountains, would eat completely different from the Christian in Tripoli. So it's very much a product of the land. So it was very simple sort of like, why don't we look for similarities beyond differences? Okay, we're different, we are not the same, and we don't want to be the same. Can you imagine how boring if, like, you know, we had one Easter, in this mm-hmm. region we celebrated mm-hmm. the Catholic Easter yesterday, you know, and we're going to have another one, the Orthodox one, in a week. And then it like beer for the Muslim, and then it a lot for the truth. And then it's it's amazing. This is all you know a wealth for us. Why don't we look at it as a wealth, you know, as a richness rather than looking at it as a reason to fight. It's not a reason to fight. Food, you know, on, on at all other level, on all other level, you seclude the other. On the level of food, you put the food on the table and you just tell the other, please come and share the food that I have. Let's share it together. It's about sharing. So it's looking for similarities beyond differences and using an element of sharing, which is food and cuisine. And we're as diverse as our land is diverse. Yeah. And, yes, and yes, that's I'm what's beautiful. Lebanon, which I know better, you know. I'm sitting now in the mountains. I have cherry blossoms in front of me. The almonds are near before. And I see Tripoli, I'm at 1,100 meter altitude, and I see the sea and Tripoli facing me. So it's like less than 30 minutes drive, I'm in a completely different environment, in a coastal environment. You know, the weather is different, so the agriculture is different. It's a port, so it's open to, to wealth, to richness, to, uh, to imports, to spices, to different tastes, you know. So in such a small geography, there's all of this diversity of people, of traditions, of ethnicities, of religions, of agriculture, of cuisine, you know, so just celebrate the fathers and fight. Mm-hmm. What is a uh-huh. dish that is a comforting memory of your childhood, which you still do? Tabbouleh. Tabbouleh? <laughs> it's a very easy question for me, you know, tabbouleh, and it's always a competition between my mother and my aunt, you know, who does the best tabbouleh, you know, it's always like this, and obviously everyone thinks he does the best. But for me, it's a ritual of a tabbouleh, you know, every house has to have a small garden, and the garden divided into masakbe. So you, you must have the, the square or the rectangle of that donut, parsley, 
and obviously you just pick the party when you want to sort it out, like around 11 a.m. So it's my mother's job to cut the parsley, sort it out, and then wash it, let it dry, and chop it for uh, lunch. And there's no Sunday without the puri. So it's uh, the taste that I miss the most, and I can, I don't brag, you know, but I can say I do a very good tabbouleh. As good as your mother's? And I created the, te- I created the Ten Commandments of tabbouleh in a way too. <laughs> You said with the with the sous and then with tawla, you discovered products that were things you didn't know before. Is there a dish you discovered through this period that today has become something that's one of your favorites? Something that seduced you totally? A lot of dishes, not one dish. One dish that became my favorite, I adore fatit al I never heard of it before. Mm. So it's very Damascene, Syrian, very Beirut, because Damascene and Beirutis traditions were very uh, linked or similar because of a lot of Sunni families that marry together. So I adore the smoothness of the aubergines, the, uh, the spice, you know, it's very sweet, uh, spicy, not as hot, but like as of richness of flavor. Uh, I love the meat in it and the freshness of the yogurt. So, like, this is one of my big discoveries that I like a lot. Uh, I never tasted fuerich before in my life. I heard about them, but my father didn't like much fuerich, so we never, never tasted them or had them at home. I discovered many different kinds of kibbe. For me, there was like only one kibbe bastani, and that's it. There's two sides with meat and peanuts inside of it. I discovered that kibbe bastani can come in five different forms from the capital of kibbe, which is Zreb and Eden. Uh, I discovered uh, zinkol, which is a typical dish uh, that is done in the West Africa for uh, the Good Friday. So we discovered many, many things. Wait, let me stop you. What is that dish? Zungal? Zinkol, yes. Okay, hello. Zung- what is Zungal? Because Zungal is in Bethlehem. We call uh-huh. Zungal what is called Awama elsewhere. Okay. In Syria, I've heard that they use the leftover dough of Sambusak and they fry it uh-huh. and they call it Zungal. So what is Zungal in, in, in the West Becca? Our zungul is like the awama. Okay, so round. So but it's not round. My zungul is my memory of my childhood. We used to throw the dough in the in the uh, oil, and it would take a shape. It wouldn't be like the perfect round that's done today. But yeah, it's okay. it's that dough. So what is the one they do? Okay. So zungul is still round. So maybe zungul means. And when we say in Arabic, we, we shape them to balls like we do for ima or the wood bar shop. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you have like balls of meat or something. So this is a typical dish of Good Friday where Christians do not eat meat. And it's a kind of kibbeh that is done with only burghul, very fine burghul and fraisira, which is the flower of burghul, which means like very, like a flower of burghul, very, very fine burghul, or a little bit of flour for the dough to hold and like some dried mint and, uh, and salt. So you just do a dough and you shape small rounds of it, like a big chickpea uh, a bowl, let's say. 
and then you uh, cook it in a stew of uh, a quite thick, thick soup, let's say, uh, of uh, uh, onion slices, uh, uh, dried mint, salt, a bit of pepper. Pepper for us is all spice bar, yeah, and mm -hmm. And then vinegar, and the vinegar is supposed to be what was served to Christ uh, when he was crucified. So it's a very typical dish of the Good Friday. So you have the sauce, the water, the stock, and you put your bowls of zingol, of burhol in it, and it will get a little bit thicker than uh, like just plain stock or plain water, and it's typically served on, on Good Friday. Wow. Kemed, you got our mouths watering. Oh, with all these fantastic dishes. You don't uh, have breakfast, apparently. <laughs> it's still early. <laughs> <laughs> one, one last question, um, because it's such a pleasure to speak to you. Now what? After, after the machine has, has, you know, the machine and, and your creativity and, and the great people you have around you, um, is there any other vision for something else? Is it more beds? Is it more towels? Is it something new? There is one vision. There is not another vision. There is one vision and different expressions or different projects. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I hope always for new markets. Obviously, now we have just to survive uh, the coronavirus uh, problems and to survive the tremendous economical uh, catastrophes that you have in Lebanon. This is like another problem that you had since October 17 as a, what we call the revolution of October 17 and the economical problems, catastrophe that started long way before. So we have to survive, stay put, that's very, very important. And then like always do more. So uh, we're planning for one more basis here, uh, two more towels, so, uh, which are nearly all on hold. Well, not on hold, like everything is and everything is on hold now, obviously. Mm. We're looking to take Taule abroad. So London is our destination. We're looking to take Taule, uh, Taule to Beirut abroad. So uh, Lebanese traditional food there, but at the same time, inviting all the traditions of uh, the Levant that are existing there, or that you can invite there. It's a tradition of the place too, of London and of uh, Great Britain. And... Uh, I, uh, I was starting to look at another angle to, not to say projects, to education. So research around what are our traditions and then perpetuating them through writing, through publications and books and through education, professional education and uh, education for everyone. So this is where we stand. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, it's really a pleasure and I, I hope We'll be seeing you very soon. Yalla, zinkul soon in Duma or in Zawastika, Allah Ah, fantastic. Zungul, and I'll do the Bethlehem Zungul for you. Thank you. Stay safe. You stay safe, and thank you very much, Kamal. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.